Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Toffee Blues podcast. I'm joined by Mike Richards from the Unholy Trinity podcast, and we're here in what's the sort of first, first sort of debrief in the close season, if you like. Um, there's been a, a collective sigh of relief for a lot of Evertonians in the last couple of weeks since we uh, secured our survival on the last day against Bournemouth, which <laughs> all delighted with, of course. You know, a lot of, a lot of talk going into that game, but it's firmly in the past now. But um, to say that things are quiet on the Everton front would, wouldn't be very true to say the least. It's, it seems to have uh, just rolled, keep rolling on, uh, even though the season has finished. So before we jump in, Mike, how's things with you, mate? You're good. Well, mate, now the season's over. Yeah. Yeah. A lot more, a lot more relaxed. Been a nice couple of, a uh, couple of nice, calm, relaxing weekends since obviously the, that, that Bournemouth game at Goodison Park. So all, all good. But like you say, mate, obviously Everton's never quiet, is it? And, and things have, uh, have ramped up once again over the last the last few days. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, things have certainly ramped up to say the least off the pitch. Um, and we'll jump into all that, I'm sure. But before we do, just want to spend a moment just reflecting on that Bournemouth game and sort of the, you know the end of the season as a whole, which of course saw Leeds and Leicester get relegated and Everton just surviving on 36 points, which was incredible to see how we did it without a striker for. 90% of the season having got weaker in January not bringing in a players when you when you put it all into perspective like that would you say it's it, it's incredible how Everton managed to survive given the predicament we, we were in last season and just everything that went with it just how, how would you I just sum up your, your feelings just at the end of that season given everything that happened I think um, obviously it was, it was sheer relief wasn't it once again had a, had a much much different feel than it did in in the previous season. Um, this, you know, one of my favourite sayings has been basically one season it can be an anomaly. Do it twice in the spin, it becomes a habit, and it's becoming a habit, and and that's that's the issue that we that we've got. So it was relief, of course, delighted. You know, we 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 know what dropping into the championship was meant for for this football club. Um, so it's absolutely huge and vital that we stayed up. Obviously, that's bringing its own problems with it, which I'm sure we, we will discuss. But I think that you know that that relief quite quickly gave way to anger in the ground, especially you know we were all there, and it was uh, quite clear what the the thoughts of probably ninety eight, ninety nine percent of the fans was about ten seconds after the final whistle, um, and you know those who ran on the pitch were, were quite quickly, you know they, they were made aware what what a lot of people thought about that. It wasn't a time for for immense celebration. It was it was pure. It was relief turned into anger and. You've got to give the manager credit. You know, a lot of people said at the time when when Sean Dice came in, if he keeps us up, he's a miracle worker because we all thought at that point, after that West Ham game, you know that it was a uh, it was it was a foregone conclusion that we we would drop into the championship. So, I think that we you know we need to give the manager credit where credit's due. And like you say, the fact that we spent so long without Dominic Calvert Lewin, the fact that we had no one coming to back him up, really in the summer or or in January. Um, and and the fact that we had so many issues surrounding injuries to key players at key times, and and suspensions to key players, the Corey being being the main one, I think Sean Dice did, did particularly well, and and I think it's vitally important that he's he's backed as best he can be in this in the summer transfer window. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I remember last time we did one of these, Mike, and, and we talked about that Newcastle game and coming out the ground. We almost resigned to our fate, weren't we? And then I think post that Newcastle game, when we had the the Leicester Brighton double header, and then of course you had the the final the final couple of games against City Wolves and Bournemouth. You know, that was sort of the running for me, those six fixtures. Then that was when it was really do or die for Everton. And, you know, there were, there were moments like the 5-1 at Brighton, which no one saw coming, of course, the um, the, the points away at Leicester. And, of course, you know, let's have it right. We were fortunate with a lot of other results um, that, that weren't exactly in our hands. You know, you think that Leicester didn't pick up a win at St. James's Park, which if they did, you know, we'd be having a very different conversation right now. Um, you know, little moments like the Pickford penalty save, you know, if that, if that goes to 3-1, you find it very difficult to see how we would have got a result out of that. So for you, what was... I suppose it's very hard to really nail it down to one particular moment because there was a lot of, you know, contributing factors. But for you, what was what was the point where thing, things started to... to click into place there we can do this we can stay up here now for you personally was there, was there a specific moment or game for you where you thought that we can get out of this at, at the time you mentioned it then it was the pick for penalty and looking back that that's played a pivotal part in, in us staying up if, if we go 3-1 down obviously just before half time in a game that, that we bossed to be fair that first half we bossed the first half we had the best chances you know, that was the moment, wasn't it, where we went in 2-1 down. You saw Pickford's celebrations, and at the time, he was much much maligned for, for that, for doing that. But he, he probably knew himself, listen, this is a big moment. So at that particular point, that led to us getting a point. It meant that Leicester win, you know, there wasn't going to be a, a big shift in terms of them pulling away from us. And, and you know, it, it kept us, you know, truly in the race. But, you know, the moment the game has got to be Brighton. If you look back at that game, you know, prior to the game, no one thought, no one gave us a hope. Even ourselves, we we thought, get a point here. It'd be absolutely fantastic to get to get just a point against a side that were fighting for European football, which they got. Um, finished finished sixth in, in the table, play a lovely brand of football, turns over Goodison Park, obviously, before Frank Lampard left the club. I've got players both who starts and also off the bench, you can, you can cause us major problems. And you just couldn't see how this Everton side could go there and, and get three points. And, you know, the whole 90 minutes was absolutely sensational. So that was really, when 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 the full-time whistle went, because I didn't relax until we until we scored the, the fifth, to be fair. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, that, that's just what Everton does to you. But when that final whistle went, that's when you thought, listen, we're in with the shout. Now, to go there and do that, not only is it a big three points in terms of obviously pulling us away and, and give us a little boost in the in the Premier League table, it was what it did psych, uh, psychologically to both players, manager, fans alike. The fact that hang on, look, we've just gone to Brighton and just scored five goals, ridiculous. And there's always those kind of games at the end of the season, and normally Everton are on the end of a hide now, aren't they? But yeah. It was ourselves who gave one. So that was the moment. And then, obviously, yeah, you mean his last, last minute stoppage time equaliser, forgotten about. Yeah. It just kept things just ticking over because you just think, don't get a point there. What does that do to the player psychologically? It's such a balancing act, isn't it? So it's so fine, you know, that, that particular balance from sort of positivity and negativity. But for me, it's got to be the Brighton game was, was the game. But individual moments has got to be Jordan Pickford. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, you know, I alluded to it before, but James Madison scores that it's 3-1. You, you find it very difficult to see how Leicester don't go on to, to lose that game. Um, and, and for us, that just would have been a disaster knowing the, the result we got a few days earlier against Newcastle. So, you know, in the end, we were, we were very fortunate to get over the line, of course. You know, um, 
you know, I mentioned other results as well helped us out massively. Leeds had a huge fall fall off. The uh, the appointment of Sam Allardyce perhaps didn't go the way that a lot of people expected it to, and Leicester just didn't have enough to get over the line in the end. So very fortunate, and you know, we all know that we can't afford to be back in this position again, and we want to leave. You know, it's almost like. The, the last two seasons are almost like, you know, if you think of a better phrase, they're like two cheeks of the same ass in a way. They're like, it's it's just been like the, the same sort of story and we just want to move on from this now and just forget the last two years and hopefully try to really heal this club and really start to move forward. And it's not a quick fix. We know it's not a quick fix and it's going to take probably, if we're being honest, a number of years to get back to where we all you know expect Everton to be. Um, now, I want to just talk about the manager, Sean Dice, who of course was brought in to replace Lampard. Um, the, the job was very clear to keep us up um, by hook or by crook. He ended up doing that. Um, so how, how do you personally rate Sean Dice's time at Ever- as Everton manager? You know, came in on the pretty much the last day of the, the transfer window in January. We didn't bring anyone in, no fault of Sean Dice's, of course. Um, made some some big decisions, you know, such as bringing Abdullah Decore back into the side, you know, putting faith in players, rightly or wrongly, such as Michael Keane, bringing Yeri Mina back into the fold. Had a bit of a sticky spell around Easter sort of time when we went through that torrid run when Decore wasn't in the side. You know, you think back to the United result, the uh, the Fulham game. Um, so how would you rate Dice's time? Of course, he got the job done. We survived. Um, so how, how does he kick on from here now? Well, I think, I mean, I think his record was, it was five wins, six draws for, in terms of picking up points, wasn't it? And, you know, he, as you say, the, the simple task was keep Everton in the Premier League and he did it. We would have all preferred it not to go to the final game of the season. I think we we all, like I said at, at the start, you know, people were saying if he keeps us up, he's a miracle worker. He did that. Um, we all would have preferred it to, to have gone earlier, but we all probably knew it wouldn't have gone earlier. I said for a long, long time, you know, if if we're going to stay up, it goes to the final game of the season. It, it was as simple as that in my mind. And there was games where I thought we should have won, and you know, we he should have done better. You know, it's easy to you know people we we were pulled ourselves on our show for for criticizing Sean Dyson, and you know, not not giving Lampard potentially the same level of criticism. And what I would always say is, Frank Lampard was kept on too long. We, we all agree with that. A lot of people weren't, weren't coming for Lampard's head after the Bournemouth games. From what I remember, it went on into sort of that Boxing Day, the Wolves game, obviously yeah. Southampton. That, that was the time for me, especially. Oh, absolutely. But I think you want to give a manager time to try and build the side. And we all had that that good sort of connection with Lampard from the, the, the season prior, unfortunately for him. And, and since obviously he's left the club and, and also been at Chelsea, maybe it's proven that the managerial game is just not for him. It's it, it looks as simple as that. But Sean Dice made mistakes at times. You know, it's stubbornness not to change it when sometimes we needed fresh legs. I always look back at that, that Forest game away. I was sitting there at, at, a, at the game myself and I just thought, you know, at 2-1, just thought, just bring on some fresh legs because you could see the Corey was one of the players who was getting tired. He just wanted to give the ball away for their second goal. Yeah. And you just think at times, he, was, he, he is a stubborn manager because... A big thing with Sean Dyche appears to be trust. If he doesn't trust the player, then you, you don't get much game time, and and that's what it seems to be. And I think even Demari Gray has, has gone that way. If you know, if if Dominic Calvert Lewin's fit, you don't see Demari Gray because he doesn't trust him to play wide and, and track back and and do the defensive side of the game. But you know, all in all, as I say, he's, he's done what he was what he was asked to do. Um, I thought we looked we looked a lot more. Attacking under Sean Dyche and more of a threat under Sean Dyche than we did under, under Lampard. A lot of the time, to be honest, we looked that bit more solid, solid at the back. Like you say, he made some big decisions. The Corey being the main one first game, 
that, that he managed against Arsenal, the court right in from the cold after, yeah. you know, being ostracised and removed from, from the first team, saying set up under Frank Lampard because of a fallout. You know, as you say, at times Michael Keane comes in, in the end, again, stubbornness, I thought, in terms of not dropping him. But Yerimina comes in and, and does a good job. And, you know, he got he got the big calls right, is what I'd say. But I think what, what, what we need to do now looking forward is you've got to support him now and back him in terms of what him and Kevin Felber want to do in the transfer window. Bring players in that suits his system, players in that he thinks that he can trust because we can't go through another season where, one, you've got one striker in Dominic Calvert-Lewin and, two, we haven't got options on the bench where if we need to change it or we need to bring on fresh legs, and the manager's got to be able to trust those players to come on and do a job. So we've got to, we've got to back him in that sense, and it's, we're going to have to be clever. Of course we are, but we we've got to put ourselves in a in a or become a more balanced squad, because like you say, you don't want to be be repeating what's happened over the last last two seasons. We can't afford a third season where Everton are going into the final couple of week couple of weeks of the season looking to try and stay in the Premier League. You know, progression would be finishing sort of fourteenth, and that's what we need to sort of think about. But you know, good job by Sean Dice, of course. Done what he what he got paid to do, got a great bonus for doing it, and hopefully now we can become a bit more stable and reset both on and off the pitch. Yeah, you'd hope so. I mean, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are still to um, work themselves out, if you like, between now and when the season starts against Fulham. Um, you know, it, it remains to be seen who's going to be here by then, uh, player wise. Are we going to get anyone in? Is there going to be a lot of movement in the transfer market which we'll come on to but I think if, if we want to take any sort of comfort really um, going into next season I know it's difficult to do as an Evertonian but if you want to have a little bit of optimism it's it's, it's sort of I suppose you know I, I think in my opinion I think we'll be down there next season but I don't think it will be um, anything like last last day of the season to stay up relegation battle type of thing because I just think if you just look at Daisha's um, points per game ratio and in terms of how he knows how to get results compared to Lampard um, I, I think it'll be enough to make us you know com- comfortable without obviously I think we'll have things to worry about next season of course because you know let's have it right they're not a great set of players um, but I don't think we'll be in as as a position of disarray um, as we were this this season because you know Dice was essentially clearing up the mess left by Lampard for large parts of this season, wasn't he? Um, so it'd be interesting to see a, fit, a full season how he can maybe you know set set this side up to get results, and that's what he did. You know, I say I say it again, they're not great players, the the poor players, if I'm being quite honest. And you know, he, he got results and he got points, and that was the main thing. So. If you can do that over the course of a season with a fair few new acquisitions, then hopefully we won't be looking um, an as perilous situation next time round. Um, obviously, the other bit of news last week was Everton announced a retained list um, of you know players who were offered a new contract, players who haven't been offered a new contract. Um, Begovic gone, Mina gone, Townsend gone. Um, I think they're the main ones missing anyone else. Cody not off- offered a contract, which I think surprised a few people. But then, of course, as well, you know, Tom Davis has been offered a new deal as well. Seamus Coleman's offered a new deal, which a lot of people are happy with, including myself. And uh, Andy Lonergan, of course, offered a new contract as well. So, you know, what are your thoughts on the whole uh, retain list? Of course, the, the elephant in the room, I suppose, for a lot of people is the Tom Davis one. Um, it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on that. I know he splits a lot of opinion, Tom Davis, but what, what was your reaction to the um, to the retain list? 
obviously Tom Davis was was the surprise, wasn't he? But what we need to remember is that it was just he was offered a new contract. I think the talk as of today, this afternoon, for, you know, what we're recording today, that the, the, all the talk was about him turning that deal down and looking to move on, which for me makes perfect sense. Yeah. I think Everton have just seen Everton have just seen it as it's it's another body for the squad. You know, we do play a midfield three under Sean Dice. We're likely going to continue in that manner. Um, and if someone on, on low wages, you know, he's not going to be on mega bucks, is he, of course? And it was just, a, I think, just a, a pretty sort of straightforward contract offer. But Tom Davis has got to decide, does he want to sit on the bench at Everton? You know, or, or does he want to go and play football? Because even, obviously, the chances are Onana's going to move on. By, yeah. by all accounts, that's what all the talk was about at the moment. Um, but even then, you're not, not going to see Tom Davis starting games because even before we bring somebody else in, which we will do, I'm sure, you look at that midfield three, and and for me, you know, you, you throw in James Garner, start ahead of Tom Davis. You could throw in Alex Obi into the middle and drop the Corey back if you needed to, and that's all before you even consider Tom Davis get, getting a game. So I think I think that it was a bit of a surprise, as I say, the fact he was offered a new deal. Uh, it was for me, it was just a sort of sensible hat on with Everton thinking about why why have they done it Seamus Coleman dead easy isn't it and yeah. by all accounts he signed a new deal we're just awaiting the official confirmation made perfect sense you know we we don't want to see Seamus Coleman going out the way that he could have done in terms of with with it not a not a terrible injury but at the time we thought it could have been um you know and, and it was talk that he may retire but perfect sense next season have you two right backs Patterson and Seamus Coleman he's shown the level he, he can still play at this season Coleman think he think he was terrific under Sean Dice to be honest he was um, and, and Lonergan he's got the easiest job in world football hasn't he you know, hasn't played a game about five or six years or something like that and you know, but he knows his role the point is I think it was uh, Begovic was on on a podcast um, I think it was with Ben Foster wasn't it on, on that Fozcast last week and he said, like, the goalkeeper group, it's so important when you go to a club that you have a good goalkeeper group, which includes your, your first, second and third. So he's obviously a young goalkeeper, but also your goalkeeper coach. So with Everton, Alan Kelly's been there for a number of years. And he said, it's a great group. It's a, it's a good group. We're close. We all get on. Um, so him moving on, raised a few eyebrows, really. But out of contact, was offered a new deal. Wants to go. I think he wants to go and play and start. And there's, there's, he's been linked to Luton. You know, Luton Town are apparently in for him. So if they can offer him, say, a two-year deal, and he's going to be the number one goalkeeper, then why would he stay at Everton to, to stay on the bench? So I get that. You know, he's not not, not a bad level at all. He's pushed Jordan Pickford over the last two years. We, we'd all agree. And when he's come in for Jordan Pickford, I think it's, I think he's done a, a decent job. Um, so it's what we do in terms of you know, do we replace him? Does uh Virginia come back in to that goalkeeper group option back from he's only, he's only 23 or 24 himself, still still only a young a young goalkeeper. Um so we you know we will see. We'll see. Um but the, the, the only surprise from the retaining this really was was the uh the Tom Davis situation and obviously Begovic's not signing. But when you look at both of them and you sit down and you think about it, you understand both decisions to be honest. Yeah, you know, you look at that and it's it, it, it's a fair handful of players which have left the club now. Yeri Mina, of course, um, he went for his own reasons. We all know that the, the situation there, high wages, doesn't the, the amount of games he's played for Everton just completely doesn't warrant a five-year contract. Um, you know, Andros Townsend again, could could he be been a good squad player? We, we don't know. Listen, he picked up a really bad injury and we didn't really see 
that much with me only really had them for about a year. So obviously that leads us on to the next topic of conversation, of course, which is the transfer market. Um, it's it's so blatantly obvious that Everton need bodies. We needed it in January. We needed them last summer. Uh, and they've been very few and far between. You know, we all know the, the, the financial situation at Everton at the moment. It seems very much like it is going to be another sell-to-buy market, similar how it was this time last year with Richarlison. It seems, if you believe what's being reported, that the asset this year, which may be able to give us a bit of flexibility in this summer's market, is the potential sale of Amadou Onana. Um, a lot of talk around Amadou potentially going to Chelsea. Um, do you expect him to leave um, this summer? Uh, I think I do. And, uh, you know, if you look at the bigger picture, if it enables us to bring a few a few bodies in to strengthen the squad, um, of course, would that be something you'd be open to? I think, I think in my opinion, it makes sense, especially if we really want to start reinvesting in these forward areas, which really which really cost us last season, didn't it? It, it, it does make sense. And it's, it's a real shame, really, isn't it? Because when we brought him in, it was seen as, as a bit of a coup. You know, we, yeah. we out, outdid West Ham in, in, the, uh, in the bidding side of things. He wanted to come and obviously work for Frank Lampard. Um, and and it, was, it was a welcome sign and got all the attributes to be a fantastic central midfielder in the Premier League. You know, big, big long limbs, um, good in the tackle, loves to put his foot in. You could see, I mean, look, look at the assist he put through for Dwight McNeil against Brighton for that fifth goal. Look at the ball he slid through for, for Garner Gay against Bournemouth last game of the season when he when the keepers tipped it over. You know, he's got he's got a little range of passing there, Onana. Sometimes though, he plays within himself for me. That's what we've mm-hmm. seen with him. You, you want him to, to stretch his legs and carry the ball at pace. You want him. Even I was watching the Bournemouth highlights about the under time again before, and and watching Onana. I think he had, a, he had a decent game, but he does just, he does, does, takes a simple option maybe too often where sometimes he wants to get his head up and look forward where sometimes he'll go back or sideways. But he's a young kid, you know, was he 21 years of age? Um, it's just a shame that we, we haven't been able to keep him for, you know, two seasons, three seasons and and build a bit of a side of with more quality around him because he could be the linchpin, I think, as he gets older for, for any side. But, we are where we are. I think, you know, Jordan Pickford is, is the other asset, if you like, who, who would demand the big money and signed a five-year deal to protect both ours and his position, to be fair, in, uh, in February. But I just think that we won't move Jordan Pickford on. I know he's been linked to United and Tottenham, but they seem to be looking elsewhere. Um, I think he's quite happy. He, he's happy at Everton. Um, he, he knows the club. He likes where he lives um, in this part of the world. And, and I think he'll be staying. So Onana is the sensible option to move on. Uh, um, obviously, there's a there's a sell on clause, which any you know twenty percent goes to to Lille. We don't know yet whether that twenty percent is twenty percent of the whole transfer fee or twenty percent of the profit that is made above what we bought him for. I would assume it's of it's of the profit because it. I mean, it is Everton so I'm hoping it would be a crazy yeah. deal to say we sell him for. For sixty million, you get twenty percent of that. Wouldn't make any kind of any kind of sense. But he's the one, isn't he? You know, by all accounts, he should free up a little bit for us to go and dabble in the uh, in the transfer market. Because otherwise, I think it's going to be very much a case of, of freeze and loans um, over the course of the of, of the transfer window before it slams shut. This is the frustration, isn't it? You know. Uh... We we love to be able to go and spend. I don't know. In in today's modern terms, it doesn't even like an awful lot of money. And you know, twenty million on on Jokeres or something like that from Coventry, you can just come in and you know be be a, a really credible solution to our goal scoring problems. But it's just not that straightforward at the moment. And, you know, as you said, we are where we are, and it looks like Onana. 
will will probably leave, and then hopefully we can start making a few deals. Um, do, do you expect? I know it's it, listen, it's difficult to say, but do you expect Kevin Fellwell and the likes to have targets lined up right now? I think he has to really, doesn't he? We, it, it was so glaringly obvious how how much we lacked in goals and any sort of creativity last season. Surely there's there's options there ready and waiting. It's just a case of being in a position to. You know, financially and logistically, being able to make them happen, which of course is, is very difficult at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, apparently we had a list for if we stayed up and a list if we got relegated. Um, so there was two lists there. It's quiet at the moment. There's been a few little links here and there, but you'd like to think the club are keeping things close to the chest. Obviously, there's a lot going on off the field as well, as we know. Um, but Kevin Thelwell and Sean Dice will be allowed a little bit of time away, I'm sure, probably Sean Dice more than Kevin Thelwell, but work will be getting done as we speak because, you know, especially we're looking at free agents, you know, you've got to get in there while you can and when they, uh, when their deals finish at the end of June, you want to make sure that you've got them lined up to come in at the start of July, announce that particular deal and th- there are some decent frees out there that Everton can certainly have a go at um, and we, we've, we've got to be clever, as, as we said, we've, we've got to get away from bringing players in and offering them Daft money, uh, you know. We, we've we've seen names linked, like I said, Dembele be, being one. Alfredo Morelos, not not a, not a big fan of his. Rangers linked linked this afternoon. Not a huge fan at all. Don't see what he brings to to a Premier League side, to be honest. Um, but don't, you know, when we bring these kind of players in, we still can't afford to be giving them a hundred grand a week because that's how we get ourselves into the trouble that we find ourselves in at this moment in time. We've we've shipped players out on big money over the last sort of twelve eighteen months. Yeah, he'd be the being being the latest, and we've we've got to be got to be sensible. But you know, I, I trust the manager to 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 be able to, to to bring in the right player to to suit his system. And, and I fully expect when we line up on that first day of the season against Fulham at Goodison Park, that the side will have a, have a different look to it. It will look that little bit more balanced, although it won't be complete because obviously there'll still be a couple of weeks left in the transfer window. Um, but I fully expect us to certainly have that 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 more balance. And have a few more options than we've got at this moment in time. But, you know, it does depend who goes as well. There's a lot of talk around players leaving. You know, Damari Gray has been linked with a move away to, to Fulham. Um, what's going to happen with, with obviously, other, other positions? You know, Mason Holgate's been linked uh, with, with moves away in the past and, and will, I'm sure, again in the summer. Um, you know, what, what do we do in terms of a striker? We, we, we need probably two for me. You know, what at least at the very least one. But we need, you know, I'd probably say two strikers, two attacking players to come into that side. So a lot of work to be done, you know, to overhaul this squad because certain areas were awash with players, other areas were not, uh, and we and we need to get that balance right. And you know, it's going to be a going to be a tough summer, I think. And we've got to sort of strap ourselves in for for that, and and not to expect Everton to go out and spend silly money, but. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting time, I think, to see what the manager and and Kevin Thelwell can do. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of variables, isn't there? A lot, of, a lot of things. Um, a lot of things depend on outgoings and and all the rest of it. But it's just so glaringly obvious, and we just can't afford to make the same mistakes. A lot of, you know, you'd like to think the club have learned not to pin all the hopes on Dominic Calvert Lewin. Um, as 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 we saw last season, that just completely backfired on the eve of the Chelsea game. So yeah, we'd like to hope that by the time we do kick off, there's a lot of fresh faces. Listen, the transfer window opened. What was it? Yes, yesterday did it open? Um, fully, it was, officially, yeah, it was, yesterday was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, as, at the time of recording, it, it's been open for you know what twenty four hours. So there's a, a long way to go, yeah. But um, yeah, remains to be seen. Um, just finally, uh, before we start to wrap things up, of course, the um, 
got to address the, the sort of bigger elephant in the room at the moment. And it's, of course, the changes at board level, which the fans were campaigning to the hilt last season, which we saw with the vast majority for the you know, executives to be removed. We've seen Denise Baddock-Baxendale, chief executive, leave her position. We've seen Grant Ingalls leave his position. And of course, Graham Sharp leave his position. Um, this was, I think this was, was this Monday or Tuesday that this announcement came out. And of course, it was mentioned that Bill Kenwright, a decision would be made on his position within the, the 48 hours. At the time recording, that was yesterday at 5 p.m., uh, it is currently Thursday, um, ten past six, and th- there's no there's no announcement at all, and it just sort of proves the point more than anything, Mike, doesn't it? You know, the club have you know, just completely co- contradicted themselves in their own statements, which it just it proves the point more than anything, doesn't it? So, you know, how do you how do you feel about this whole current Kenwright situation and and the the whole movement with the board which we've seen this week? What what you, what's your take on all that? Well, it's been coming obviously for a while, and and we were just awaiting obviously the announcement. The the MSP capital talk has been obviously on uh, live for, for such a long time. You know, the, the attended the game uh, when the ball weren't even there. Was it Southampton? The whole headlock gate situation, and um, so all, all this change at boardroom level has been expected. Uh, we just wanted obviously official confirmation, and like you say, that came on Monday that that three of the board were were on the way. Uh, which was obviously welcomed, of course. Uh, there needs to be a change of of, of board members and also of, of culture as well. Uh, but the big name who, who's still who's still there is is the chairman, of course. And whenever I come out with a statement and say that we, we will get um, an update in terms of the chairman and also an interim board in the next forty eight hours, and that deadline passes, it basically confirms all that we already know in terms of how the club is run, how poor communication is. Uh, and the fact that when we're told things, we, we we should never never go by what what the club say because quite often it never comes true. So the Kenite, uh, the Kenite, Bill Kenite or Chairman Bill, as he likes to be known, is <laughs> is still there. Um, and it depends who you believe, doesn't it? Really, I yeah. mean, talking a paper about he was going to resign on Monday, but uh, Farhad Mishi basically begged him to to hang around. We don't know in what guise that would be. Um, but also there's, other, there's there's talk that because of obviously the shares that he's got, is it, is it what about one thousand seven hundred shares in the club still that he he's trying to get the the right price for them? So obviously when Farhad Mashid can remove him, but also he has the option to to buy his shares as well. So how's that going to work? Are they going to go across to MSP and the money's going to come from MSP? We just don't know, do we? So it's um it's one of those things where it's dragging on. Of course, we we want the confirmation that that he's gone. Because I think that as a fan base, especially, we, we want to get back united with our club. Mm. And I, like you said at the start of the show, we want to start to heal those wounds that have been open for, for so many years and, and got worse over the last the last two. So, yeah, he's, he's still here, as you say. And, and hopefully, you, you know, over the course of the next few days, we get some more clarity on that. But I don't hold hold uh, hold much hope out on that because of, as I say, you know, we made a statement, they haven't stuck by it and, and we're still in the same situation we were in regards to the chairman, you know, since he's, since he's been at the club. Yeah, that, that's spot on, isn't it? You know, people just want this whole this whole chapter to be finished with now. We just want to focus on, you know, how Everton can get better and we can bring in better players and start supporting the manager and the team and just start, you know, building our way back to just, just improve and that's all we want. And, you know, stuff like this, it's just, it's almost, you know, I don't want to use the word silly because I feel like, you know, everything that, that's been done by the fan base in the last 12 months or so has been so important. And, you know, had had these actions not been taken, 
a lot of these individuals would probably still be at the club, so it's very important. But you know, you almost like want this this circus of the whole the whole board situation just to be done and over with, so we can just focus on moving forward as a club. And hopefully that that time will come. It's still very difficult to see how Bill Kenwright can remain at the club, and you know, hopefully and probably he will go at some point. But it's it's just who knows? Who knows? The club don't go on their own statements, so that could be that could be at any time. But Listen, we'll leave it there. Um, big thanks to Mike for jumping on. Um, be sure to check out the Unholy Trinity podcast. Um, be sure to subscribe to the Toffee Blues if you haven't done so already. You can get this podcast wherever you get your usual shows from. Um, and we'll be sure to keep many updates coming throughout the closed season, throughout the summer, in terms of transfers and everything else that's going on at the club. So be sure to keep on watching. Big thanks again to Mike and thanks for listening. So we shall speak to you next time here on the Toffee Blues.